Well, yes, this is the day before Valentine's Day, and love is in the air. I hope, <laughs> I hope around your house, a um, little bit more than it is most other days. When the world wants to talk about love, the church is ready, or it should be. <laughs> love is what the gospel is about. Love is what all the scriptures are about. Love is what Jesus is all about. In the first letter of John, we read these words and many more like these words about love. Let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed to us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We love because he first loved us. I encourage you to take that first chapter of the first, actually it's a fourth chapter of the first letter of John just before the book of Revelation. Good thing to read tomorrow tonight. God defines love. Anything called love that isn't like God's love is not love. And at its center, God's love is personal. It is one to one. Our text this morning illustrates that as do many of the stories in the four accounts of the gospel. Jesus dealt with many crowds, but just as much or more, he stopped, he sought out, he loved individuals. Many we know their names, some we do not. But over and over again, Jesus was involved with one-to-one with individuals, and he still is. Let uh, Let us pray for understanding before we read this text in uh, the gospel according to John. Will you pray with me? Lord, we use words every day, all day. We think in words. We, we say the words love many times. We pray that you would help us to go deeper, to think about our love for one another, for those in our families. Help us most of all to think about your love, to really meditate on it, remember, to open our minds to how deep is your love. Uh, We pray that you would help us in this particular story of your love for one of your disciples, Simon Peter. Help us to see what you're saying to us 
about your love for us. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. The sermon text, as you see in your uh, bulletin, is from the Gospel according to John, and it's chapter 21. That's the last chapter of John's account of the Gospel. It's a, a very powerful. This whole story is in the whole chapter of, of that chapter 21. But I've only taken a piece of it for us, and I'll try to fill in the backwards and the front and the back. Let us listen to God's word for us. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, You will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Our text um, begins with verse 15. When they had finished breakfast. But we have to ask, when who had finished breakfast? And what breakfast? We're jumping in to the middle of a story for this particular poignant moment between Jesus and Simon Peter. But what was the context to, to, to understand the context, we go back to the first verse of this 21st chapter of John. And there it says, After these things, the resurrection appearances of Jesus in Jerusalem. After these things, that's in chapter 20. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee, where Peter grew up, where he made his living before he met Jesus. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, 
Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples, seven of the twelve. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? Not exactly the way those who have fished all night wish to be greeted by somebody on the beach. (laughs) There are some among us who uh, spent the night together. I hope they were not up all night uh, while they were together in their lock-in upstairs. But uh, with a minor amount of sleep, they may feel a little bit like Peter did when he had that meeting with Jesus that morning. So we appreciate those of you who were here last night and are here this morning. Well, what's the rest of the story there? Before verse 15. So the disciples, seven of them, had gone out in a boat and they had gone fishing at night, which I've told you before is the only time they could fish on the Sea of Galilee, or now called Tiberius, the emperor of Rome currently then. And uh, uh, Jesus was on the shore early in the morning and called out to them. And when they asked, when they answered him no, Jesus said to them, cast your nets on the right side of, of the boat. And they did. And suddenly their net was full of many fish. Large fish, the story even tells us. They could not haul it onto the boat. The net was so full. The story says the disciple whom Jesus loved. That disciple is the one writing the gospel according to John. But he never used his own name in his account of the gospel. He always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, agaped, in spite of the things in his life that were not lovable. He always referred to himself that way. That disciple seeing the great catch of fish, said, it is the Lord. For that disciple was at the first occasion on the Sea of Galilee three years earlier when Simon, son of John, Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew were asked by Jesus to push their boat out into the water, take it out into the deep, and put out their nets for a catch. 
And that catch was so large, they had to call for a, a partner boat, which was the boat of a man named Zebedee, who had two sons, James and John. So Simon and Andrew, James and John, two boats together, pulled that first great catch of fish together, pulled it aboard their boats and back on land. And seeing that, Peter at that moment said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He recognized that he was in the presence of deity in his boat. And he falls on his knees in front of Jesus and suggests to Jesus that they part company because Peter, Simon Peter didn't deserve to be around someone who was holy. And Jesus picked him up and said, no, from now on you're going to catch fish. And Peter left everything and followed him. But it is John, but it is John, the son of Zebedee, who only called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, who looks across the water that morning and says, It's the Lord. And Peter, seeing that, suddenly put on his outer clothes, which he had taken off to fish all night and jumps in the water and swims to shore, <laughs> leaving the rest of them to row the boat back to shore with the, with the huge catch of fish dragging in the water. And they get to the beach, and there Jesus has made a fire of charcoal. The same expression in Greek that described the fire of charcoal outside the house of the high priest where a young maid confronted Peter as one who was with Jesus and he denied him three times. Jesus was there cooking some fish and some bread. And he said, come, eat, have breakfast. Bring some of the fish you caught. The story describes Peter by himself he is so full of everything at this moment. He goes and he yanks that whole net of fish by himself out of the water and onto the shore. And Jesus gives them, breaks bread and gives it to them. And he feeds them fish. And that's the story at that point. He says a few things to them. It says, now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Then our text starts. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. I put that slide up also. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. You need to understand that Jesus is speaking to Peter not in the company of the other six. Jesus has taken Peter aside to be alone with him, and they're walking down the beach. We don't know that until we get to the a little further on after our text. Actually, in verse 20, 
after our text. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? He identifies right there that he was seated next to Jesus at the Lord's Supper. There was a great love relationship between John, the son of Zebedee, and Jesus, as there was between Simon, Peter, and Jesus. And you can imagine John seeing Jesus take Peter off for that walk. He couldn't sit still. He wanted to follow him. So, that's the scene. They had finished breakfast, and Jesus wants to say something to Simon Peter. Notice that he does not call him Simon Peter here. Three times he says, Simon, son of John. That is his original name. He's being very specific to who he used to be. Not the new person he has named him, the rock. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. Scholars argue about what Jesus meant by these. Was he speaking about these fish? That's not a big con- shouldn't have been a big contest, but maybe the fish represented something more. What, G- what Simon used to be and do. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Some think he's speaking about other people, even the other disciples. I don't think Jesus was wanting to compare our love for him with someone else's love for him. I think that these is left wide open because it means, Simon, do you love me more than these? And this world and everyone else you know in this world And your past, do you love me more than all of this? Three times he asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Each time Peter answers Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And finally, the third time, he was hurt. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Three times, Jesus replies to Simon Peter, first, feed my lambs. Second time, tend my sheep. And the third time, feed my sheep. Think through what you want, what might come to you about why he said it a little differently. But he had something for Peter to do. 
And he gave him that instruction. As Simon Peter said, Jesus does, did, and does know everything. And Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Why did he ask him? Not once, but three times. I believe because it was because Peter had denied having anything to do with Jesus three times. And Jesus helped Peter find relief for his heart for that. It doesn't get specific about that. That would have eaten on Peter. It would eat on any of us. It would gnaw us that we had attempted to be such a faithful follower of him and when the chips were down three times, we denied Jesus, said we had nothing to do with him. Even if we came back to Jesus, we'd be hesitant to talk about it. We'd be ashamed to talk about it. We forget a lot of things we should confess. If you're like me, sometimes you go, okay, what should I think this week? (laughs) I think Jesus knew Peter needed to clean the slate. Have nothing between him and his Lord. For him to be able to declare it three times was clear in the decks. Jesus did not ask Peter, do you believe I am your Savior? Jesus did not ask Peter, do you trust me? Or will you serve me three times? Jesus gave Peter the chance to answer, I love you. This last story in John and the four counts of the gospel bring to laser focus that God has a personal love for each of us. It's a one-to-one deal. God became a human being for each of us. He died for each of us. He was resurrected for each of us. But believing that to be true is only a doorway for loving God. We can believe in our head many of these things about Jesus, but perhaps not have begun the experience of having a one-to-one love relationship with him. Just this week, I was with a friend sharing what I was going to speak about. And this friend said, I did what they invited me to do when I was young. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I was told I would have eternal life. It was another 10 years before I knew that Jesus wanted to love just me and me love him. 
and have a love relationship going on daily the rest of my life. We can have that happen. And I think this is the essence of who we are today, who we are when we gather. We are a body together, but we are each a member of the body. God regards us each as an individual. He knows more about each of us than we know about ourselves. He wants a love relationship with each of us that's growing and real and daily. Not an obligation, not a law, but a joy. Something that's transforming, empowering. Actually, something that enables us really to love each other. Husbands, wives, parents, children, brothers, sisters. We really can't love each other the way we need to love each other without God's love creating that in us. What we do for Jesus comes after we love Jesus, not instead of it. The love we have for each other rests upon the love we found with Jesus. We have love stories with our parents, our spouses, our children, even friends. We have love stories. What's your love story with Jesus? If you may have missed that by chance, I urge you to take a little walk with Jesus soon. Sooner the better. Amen. Let's pray.